This podcast is brought to you by Bet Rivers. Download the Bet Rivers app from the App Store or Google Play Store. Must be 21. Available in Ohio only. Void where prohibited. Terms and conditions apply. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER. Sports gaming is provided in partnership with Dayton Real Estate Ventures, LLC, DBA, Hollywood Gaming at Dayton Raceway. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. If you're a tennis fan, you'll love betting weekly game bet match on the Bet Rivers Network. Whether you're a better or just love tennis, you'll enjoy the in-depth analysis each week of the tennis calendar. Subscribe to Game Bet Match today from your favorite podcast provider. You're listening to Sports Better's Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network. All right, G Wizzy Wednesdays. It's conference tournament time, just around the corner from the NCAA tournament. And we got five games that we're going to peek ahead to on Wednesday and th- two on Wednesday and three on Thursday. Greg, we got bruised up a little bit, but still 17, 13, and one on the season. Let's start. What? Let me start with you first of all on the uh, – I've got an NET question, okay? So I've had a chance to talk to several uh, former committee members, and they love, they love, that, they love that, um, that objective uh, tool with the RPI. Now it's the NET. But it, it also involves offensive efficiency, defensive efficiency. Mark Few had some input, actually some major input on it. And how about this? Oh, by the way, Gonzaga has the number one offensive efficiency in the country the last month or so. Um, self-serving maybe, but what's your thoughts on how they came up? Because yeah, that's one thing to have a, a, a power formula. But it's the other thing to have the components, the input of it. Your thoughts on the NET and your guys over at uh, Field of 68? Yeah. You know, I our organization throws a lot of shade at the net rankings, right? Uh, I don't think anyone that listens to us is surprised by that at this point. We have a lot of former players, former coaches who are great integral parts of this network that uh, seem to be shaded the opposite direction of just using any sort of sorting mechanism like that as the end-all be-all. And I think it's a fair tool to use. Me personally, I my whole thing with with college basketball in general, whether it's for bracketology purposes, whether it's for betting purposes, whether it's just as a fan, the more tools you can use at your disposal, the more smart you're going to be about how you actually evaluate teams here. Like you should never just use one and say, oh, because this team's higher on Ken Palm, they're better. Or because this team's higher in the net, they're better. We have like hundreds of awesome tools. I just named two of them. Bartorvik's awesome. EvanMia.com is awesome. And I'm just wading into four of the hundreds at our disposal. Uh, I think the biggest thing with the net from what bracketology people have told me is it should never be taken as a true ranking system of how good each team is. It's a sorting tool. It's a tool to help sort which team's resumes should be viewed as better than other teams' resumes. And ultimately, the NCAA tournament is about resume. It's not about quality of the team. It's about did you win or lose the games? Where did you win or lose the games? And what type of teams did you win or lose to? And ultimately, I think the net does the best of any tool at doing that. 
But like right. I said, it's not it's not an end all be all. It's just one piece of your arsenal as a college basketball fan. And 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 they try to do that. But this just in, Greg. Uh, the committee does not follow. It does not care about college basketball as much as you guys do. Okay, <laughs> so I mean, it's just the way it is. Um, they have to have fancy titles and uh, be in administrations. Or uh, former coaches are nice, but former coaches have quit because they're not into it as much. And you, coaches, active coaches, look at film and don't. Yeah, they look at the other. The, the, the rest of the crew, but not as much. And as far as beat writers concerned, they follow their for their one team, and, and that's about it. But uh, it is a tool that they lean on. And, you know, there's a reason where there's only maybe one that's under an RPR or NET under 35 that doesn't get in. And there's only one above 55 that gets in. I mean, there's a reason for that. And they're going to give you convenient um, justification uh, for you know, for their uh, you know, for where they have the uh, different, uh, you know, the different uh, seedings and things, but still, you you could book it. Uh, it is very important to what they do. Hundred percent. Yeah, I mean, there's there's no denying that the net has become the centerpiece of NCAA tournament selection discussion, and how much it's actually used behind closed doors by the committee. It's up for debate unless you have someone with their ears in that room. I don't think we'll ever truly know how much it's used as a black and white tool. Um, but I think for the most part, the net does a pretty good job at what it sets out to do. Like it, it, It's a sorting yeah. tool. It's not a rankings yeah. uh, mechanism. It's a sorting tool. And, you know, it has everything you need as far as did you win or lose these games. And that should be helpful. It just shouldn't be the end-all, be-all. Have you guys discussed how Gonzaga is really high on the NET? Uh, uh, I mean, at, at all, when Mark Few had a big part of this? Uh, you know, uh, I'm a big conspiracy guy, Jimmy. I like to put the hat on. We can do that if you want to. Uh, Gonzaga's oh. a good team, though. They, they belong about where they're know, at. Oh, okay, but but it, is it more like uh, assist-oriented, you know, <laughs> where the, the efficiency is because they're an assist-oriented type of offense that they run, and they are a system, and there's continuity uh, within that system. Yes, he lost, you know, his top assistant that went to Arizona, but it's still his program and his system. I, uh, Hey, he won't be the first. He won't be the last to be a self-serving coach in it. But can you let outside people contribute to an, such an important tool? Just my two cents if you want the conspiracy theory. Let's get to the damn games. Here we go. All right, Wake Forest and Syracuse uh, in the ACC. This is the early one, uh, earliest one that's going to go. This is a noon Eastern tip-off on Wednesday on ESPN. Uh, Wake Forest projected to be a one-and-a-half-point favorite over Syracuse. I'm going to take the underdog here. I'm going to rock with Syracuse. This is one of those weird schedule spots where these two teams just played, as of when we're recording this, three days ago. Uh, and they're going to play tomorrow. And we're going to see if one of these two pretty dead basketball teams can show any signs of life. Syracuse was dead in the water before the last game against Wake Forest. They ultimately won that game. Wake Forest shot 10 for 39 from three-point range in that game. And the last thing I would want to do as a player or as a coach, if I'm coming off a game where my team shot 43s against the Syracuse 2-3 zone and couldn't hit a thing, is see that 2-3 zone again three days later. Uh, I think through the course of Jim Beheim's career, especially in the last 10 years, you know, he had some great teams 20 years ago. In the last decade, his teams have not been the most talented basketball teams, even in his good years. But we've seen them play well at the end of the season. We've seen them make 
tournament runs or runs to get into the tournament that I just kind of come out of nowhere. I think he's a good postseason coach. And like I said, this is just a psychology game where I think Syracuse does have some guys who can score the basketball. They're going to be licking their chops to see a team they just won pretty comfortably against. And Wake Forest has lost four of their last five. This was a team that was in the field as of a month ago, has essentially played their way out of the tournament in a bunch of winnable games. And I think that's going to have a little bit of a lingering effect here. So I'll take the orange plus the points. I like them on the money line as well, plus money. Uh, I mean, the zone is just not – you don't snap your finger and you execute it perfectly, okay? It takes some time, and I think there's something, too, that we've seen some very average Syracuse teams make some runs, whether it be in the Big East tournament formally, the ACC tournament, and also in the the NCAA tournament. So I just don't – you know, I don't think it's just by coincidence. And, I mean, it can create some problems when they do execute it uh, very well. All right, the next one is a 6.30 Eastern tip in the Big Ten on the Big Ten Network. And Ohio State was one of the weakest teams against the spread and straight up for a long stretch. But don't look now. They've covered their last three. One, two out of their last three. They did uh, cover late against Michigan State. How about Tom Izzo freezing his free throw shooter when he has his impromptu uh, senior senior day ceremony? Kiss the court. Take your bow. The whole bit. And the guy standing at the free throw line. Clank. But anyway, uh, and, uh, and then um, Wisconsin. Wisconsin. Boy, it's just a tough loss at home against Purdue. A really tough loss. And then they were just as fortunate uh, on the road at Minnesota on Sunday where they pulled that one out. So that kind of evens out those two 50-50 games. And probably on the outside looking in, they 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 were right around a pick. Uh, before the Purdue game, before they, their yes/no to get into the tournament, I got to think that they missed out on a big time opportunity uh, against Purdue. Ohio State is projected to be a one point favorite in this game against Wisconsin. Yeah, that that line. I mean, it kind of jumps off the page, doesn't it? With how bad Ohio State has been for a month and a half, I think a lot of people that haven't paid too much attention. Uh, to how Ohio State has played in the last week are going to see that line and be like, well, this is a horrible basketball team. How are they favored against a Wisconsin team that might make the NCAA tournament? Our bracketologists are more split on Wisconsin than any other team in or out of the field right now. We've got uh, half of our bracketologists say they're not even in the first four out. Half of our bracketologists say they're not even in the last four in. They're either safe or they're not safe. It's going to be really really interesting. Okay. Yeah, it's it's wild. Normally there's there's consensus on these teams, but Wisconsin is divisive right now and I think they're as about as true to the cut line as any team can be in reality. They need this game. And because they need this game, I like the spot for the team with nothing to lose, Jimmy. Ohio State has turned it around. They've played really good basketball the last week and a half, like you said. Uh I I was most impressed honestly with their loss against Michigan State. I mean, Michigan State Jumped on him early, was up 10 points. I think Michigan State's playing like one of the best teams in the country right now. Shooting 57% from a team from three over the last two weeks. And they couldn't miss. And I just kept waiting for it to snowball and turn into a 20-point win. But Ohio State responded. And uh, for a team that looked like they had quit on their season, that was the most impressive thing to me. They're going to play loose in this spot. They know they've got nothing to lose. Wisconsin's going to be as tight as a team can possibly be. Ohio State is truly the more talented team here. They're still 15 spots higher on Ken Palm, despite how many games they've lost. Uh, And Wisconsin's not in great form anyway. I mean, they almost just lost to Minnesota, who's the only 
cupcake win you're going to see in the Big Ten Conference this year. Uh, I like the spot for Ohio State. I think the line screams take Ohio State if you're uh, if you're paying a little bit of attention to what these two teams are doing. Um, I will take any action from the field to 68 that they want as far as Wisconsin getting in now, unless they make the run. <laughs> we talk about their pretty – you can make an argument each way with their resume, right? Yeah. Didn't we just talk about this NET, 78? Oh, That's gross. I'm, That's I'm gross. a no. Give me a no. So, uh, any action? Uh, is Doster on this one? Uh, who else is on this one? So, you can uh, send the action my way uh, if you want to bet Wisconsin into the field of 68. Let's go to Thursday. Greg, let's stay in the Big Ten. This is a noon tip in the Big Ten it, on the Big Ten Network. Michigan and, well, I think he brought it to our attention, and we've been kind of watching him more closely, and he does have some shenanigans to his game. Some flat-out Bush League type of celebratory uh, actions. But, But damn it, he's playing his ass off right now, and that's Hunter Dickinson. I mean, the loss against Illinois, he was phenomenal. The loss against um, uh, 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 the, uh, oh, gosh. Indiana. Indiana, he was phenomenal. I mean, he did all he could uh, for his team to win there. Rutgers on the slide a little bit. How about getting blasted at home at the Jersey Mike's Arena on Sunday by Northwestern? And now Michigan is a one-point favorite. Got to give it to Dickinson. He's been here before. He's on fire right now. He is. I've said it all year long. I'm a Michigan fan for people that don't know. Hunter Dickinson uh, is not a guy that you always love having on your team as the leader. I mean, you you hope he makes strides as a, a guy who brings the team together and sort of matures emotionally a little bit. None of that happened this year, and I think that was a big part of why Michigan struggled early in the season. But when your back's against the wall and when you're playing for your team's tournament life, there's not three more players in the country I'd rather have than Hunter Dickinson. I mean, he's proven this over the last two seasons, and uh, it's it's not his fault they lost these two games. I mean, he was, uh, I think, the best player on the court in both of those games. Uh, and just it didn't happen. And you can even go back the week before. He hit the miracle shot against Wisconsin that would have absolutely punched their ticket to the NIT if he didn't hit that shot. So uh, I expect Hunter still has more to show us here. And more importantly, as you mentioned, Rutgers is just broken right now. Ever since they lost Mawat Mag, uh, I don't think anyone realized how important he was as a switchable defensive guy for them. Uh, they've just fallen apart. They're 97th since the beginning of February in the country, according to Bartorvik. That's lower than teams like San Jose State, Sam Houston State, and North Carolina Central. I mean, we need to evaluate this team as if they are that team now, not the team they were before when they were healthy. In that same span, Michigan's 16th in the country. I don't think there's 25 teams in the country that are better than Michigan, to be honest with you. They've just found a way to lose every single close game they've played this season. I think they potentially do have a run in them in the Big Ten tournament. Michigan beat this team by 13 at the rack at Jersey Mike's about a week and a half ago in a 48 to or a 58 to 45 ugly basketball game. Right. Uh, I like Michigan big time here. I think this line is probably five or six points off. What about Rutgers? Are they playing themselves onto the bubble? You know they're trying. They are really trying. They were uh, a total solid lock three weeks ago. And as of now, they are still safely in, according to our bracketologists. However, if they lose this game, it swings. So this is almost like a, it's an elimination game for Michigan. 
it's a you really need this one or you're going to be dicey for Rutgers. Boy, you know, we got a lot in common, Greg. I'm also a big fan of UM, University of Moolah. Okay, I could give a crap what team and what cash is tickets. Okay, I just want to cash tickets. University of money, Moolah. Let's go on to it. So let's move on to the Big 12. Uh, and this is going to be a ninth or late one on Thursday night. Would be either on ESPN or ESPN 2. Uh, I guess a little um, kind, of, kind of waiting to see the matchups. Kansas State and TCU. Boy, these matchups are great, huh? All basically pick them games. Uh, our buddy Paul Stone projecting this one as K-State minus one against the Horned Frogs. Yeah, I like Kansas State here. These two teams split in the regular season. Uh, I just think Kansas State is a tier up in this conference from where TCU is. They've been compared quite a bit. Metrically, they're similar. Kansas State was two games better in terms of conference win and loss results. They're playing great right now. They won four or five to end the year. And the the big thing matchup-wise here, Kansas State has an elite three-point defense. They're 11th in the country, uh, preventing three-point percentage. TCU is one of the worst three-point shooting teams in the country. They rank 352nd uh, in the country in that category. In two games against Kansas State this year, TCU shot 6 for 36 from three-point range. It's incredibly hard to win basketball games when you just make that few from behind the arc. Uh, I love Kansas State's potential in the postseason, both in the Big 12 tournament and in the NCAA tournament. I mean, they are the only team in the country with two All-American candidates. That matters. Marquise Noel and Keontae Johnson are both superstars. They're both capable of single-handedly swinging a game. And when you have two guys that can do that any given night, I mean, you're going to play a team in TCU that has maybe one in Mike Miles. Um, it's just a lot easier. One of them can have an off night, and one of them will still pick it up for them. So I like Kansas State here. I just think they're a much better team. Uh, and the matchup indicates that they should have a big advantage from three-point range. And, and both of those two players you talked about for Kansas State have different qualities to them. They they have completely different uh, games, positions, the whole bit. Keontae Johnson's like um, somewhere along the line, he played some football, okay? I mean, he is physically tough. I mean, he's a hard-nosed kid. Uh, this very scary moment in the Florida-Florida State game when he was a Gator uh, where he collapsed during the game. He's recovered from that. And, you know, talking to some SEC coaches, man, they loved his style. It's a winning style of play. And the point guard, he might not be too big, but he can create separation. He can get his shot off at any time he wants, and he has unlimited range. And you know how certain shooters just kind of get hot. Well, he's been taking a lot of these shots in clutch situations all season long, and he's really, really fun to watch. So, no, that one-two punch uh, for K-State is uh, fun to watch. No question about that. All right, the last one we're going to talk about, the fifth game here, back to the Big Ten, and we're going to go with Penn State and Illinois. So, two teams that are coming down a stretch and kind of, uh, you know, playing, playing respectable ball, especially Penn State, who has now won five of six right after a four-game losing streak. Now, this is a 6.30 tip on the Big Ten Network on Thursday. The Illini, though, d- who does get the respect uh, from the odds makers, a two-and-a-half-point favorite over the Nittany Lions. Yeah, I kind of went into this game before we had a projection on the line here. I kind of went in loving Illinois. We just watched them at Purdue over the weekend, and Purdue was up what felt like 30 24. points. Yeah. yeah, it was insane. I mean, it, and it was a ceremonious day for Purdue. You know, they were going to cut the nets after, and they needed that win, and they jumped on them early. And, it, you know, Illinois is a team that mentally can be as toxic as any team in the country when things go south. 
the way they responded in that setting was extremely impressive to me. I mean, they came back and tied the game with three minutes left. Ultimately, Purdue wins. But um, Illinois showed more fight in that moment than I think they really have all season long. I like that going into March. It bodes well. So I, I thought I was going to take Illinois here. Then I looked into it a little more. And I, I can't talk myself out of Penn State here, Jimmy. They played Illinois twice this year. I know it's hard to beat a team three times. That's what they tell me. But they've beaten them convincingly twice now. 15 points and 12 points were the margins. Uh, Penn State has won five of their last six games coming into this tournament. And this was a team that played their way into the tournament. Right now they are projected in the field. Three weeks ago they were not. Jalen Pickett is a top three point guard in the country. He's a superstar. He's a guy that if he gets into the NCAA tournament can single-handedly take this team to a Sweet 16 and Elite 8 run. He's surrounded by 40% shooters that are just gunning shots whenever they want, like five, six attempts per game for each of them. And that's a scary thing for an Illinois team that wants to play a true center in Dane Danger. I think Illinois is a much better team when they're plotting big man Dane Danger's on the court, but Dane Danger can't play in this game against Penn State. And when he has to be on the bench... Now, all of a sudden, especially Illinois, without their point guard, Jaden Epps, who's missed the last two games, they don't have a lot of bodies right now that they would normally play that can switch all these positions and chase all these shooters. Uh, I just think Penn State's clicking. I think this is a matchup they're not going to be afraid of. And I think it, Penn State has the best player in this game and Jalen Pickett. So I think the wrong team is favored. I'll take Penn State plus two and a half. Illinois is in for sure. But Penn State, you think they're in? They are in as of now. I think if they lose this game... They'll be right on the cut line, as will multiple teams in the Big Ten. But uh, I have them ahead of both Wisconsin and Rutgers right now as far as Big Ten bubble teams. Ahead of Michigan as well? Yeah, ahead of Michigan as well. Yeah, yeah. So, I mean, it's a lot of... It's a lot of uh, a lot of teams that are kind of hovering around. Uh, you know, some with a run uh, may you know get back into. It's just a it's it's a big mess uh, in the uh, in the Big Ten uh, right now. So, were you able to cut down the nets uh, in West Lafayette? You know, so we we were on the court. This is wild. We were on the court <laughs> when they were cutting the nets. I brought scissors with me, and I'm standing about ten feet away from Zach Eady. Uh, and he's looking, he's about to get up and be the first person to cut the nets. He couldn't find scissors. He had, we had to send a director of basketball ops back into the tunnel to get scissors. I'm pulling my scissors out of my pocket. Like Zach, Eady, here you go. Take my scissors. Uh, nobody took them from me, Jimmy. So we ended up not getting a piece of the net. I'm pretty bummed about it, but Hey, you know, I got to earn that next year. But sounds like you were impressed even within a loss about the comeback in such a, a crazy atmosphere, uh, that, you know, on Sunday, that uh, Illinois got back into that game from being so far back? 100%. Illinois is a very fun team to believe in. The problem is that they give you just enough to keep talking yourself into them doing something special, and they never truly get over the hump. They can't win two, three straight games in a row. They can show you 20 minutes of perfect basketball. They just can't do it for 40 consistently enough. Well, last week uh, in the last weekend of the regular season, the teams that have, you know, that needed to win really didn't uh, get it done. And so, you know, there's an old saying, well, if a team's in a spot, whether it's the NFL, college, wherever, if a team's in a spot where they must win, they must not be pretty good. So there you go. Hey, for Greg Waddell of the Field of 68, their time of the year. I'm Jimmy Ott here in the Sports Betters Paradise on the Bet Rivers Network.